welcome to everyone tonight. And if you're a guest with us tonight, we are so glad to have you in service with us this evening. We welcome you. Amen. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight. We know God can touch you where you are. I've come tonight with a simple message. Won't be anything deep or revelatory. But I believe I've come with a message. And I believe I've come with a message tonight that it's a pretty significant number of you that God wants to speak to tonight. You may want to, I don't know what the name of that song is. I'm assuming it's I won't let the stones cry out. I don't stones, just stones, okay. Y'all might want to keep those words handy in a few minutes. As usual, we didn't discuss what was to be sung. I trust the worship team to do their part, and hopefully they trust me to do my part. But I, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to talk to somebody tonight. And so again, I'm telling you up front, you're not going to walk out of here tonight wowed by the deep revelatory message. But I do believe if you'll open your heart, some of you are going to walk out of here tonight having heard something from the Lord that you needed to hear. You turn to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10. I know these are some familiar verses, and one of these verses that I'm about to read to you is one of the primary verses that gets used with regards to spiritual warfare. But I I think oftentimes we forget the context of this verse or of what, what the greatest spiritual warfare is. Maybe not the greatest, but let me say it this way. One of the most common spiritual battles that you and I fight is not the devil, it's not demons. One of the most consistent spiritual battles that you and I fight is right here. Some of you never win because you've missed the fact that spiritual warfare has to do with goes on in your mind. It doesn't just have to do with demons that are... So Paul says this, Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to what? To stand. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood and against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14 says, Stand, therefore. The Message Bible says, verse 13, this way, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. 
Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it's all over, when it's all over, you will still be standing up. And lastly, the Amplified, Therefore, Put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands. Can we put the Amplified up there? I think we have it. Verse 13. And having done all the crisis demands demands stand firm in your place prepared fully prepared immovable victorious having done everything that the crisis demands Stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight on this subject. Sometimes you just got to stand. Sometimes you just got to stand. That's all. Sometimes all you've got to do is just stand. God, thank you for your presence that has been moving in such a powerful way in this place today. For the deep work of your spirit that we have felt moving in this sanctuary pray that you would continue that work God through your word that you would speak that you would minister God again tonight I don't want to just preach a sermon but I want to be a messenger to deliver a word a rhema that would come from you I pray God that there would be ears that would be open to hear and hearts that are open to receive what you would say to us tonight Lord in the name of Jesus Christ In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know there's a lot of things we're supposed to do in our walk with God. I know there's a lot of things at Antioch we've been taught to do. I I know we're familiar with things that are a part of our walk with God. But I've come to tell somebody tonight, sometimes, the only thing, you've got to work on doing is just standing. You don't have to feel pressure to do anything else. 
You don't have to feel pressured to accomplish anything else. Sometimes your purpose is to just stand. Having done all that you know to do, having done everything you know you're supposed to do, at the end of it all, just Stand. Can I tell you, there are some people in this sanctuary tonight that the reason that you are here tonight, the reason that you are still here is because there's been times in your walk with God when you couldn't do anything else but stand. But what you did was stand. You did not give up. You did not give in. You did not quit. But you just simply stood your ground. Having done everything you know to do, having done everything you can do, Paul says, just stand. Sometimes the victory is just simply in the fact that I'm still standing. Sometimes the victory is not that you've taken new territory. Sometimes the victory is just simply you haven't given up territory. I received a text this morning from Brother Charles Shera, ministered here numerous times. Many of you know who that is. He pretty regularly texts me on a Sunday morning, lets me know he's thinking about me, praying for me, and I I deeply appreciate that. And a lot of times that's really all that he says, but this morning, actually last week and this week, he sent a little bit more than just praying for you. And this morning he sent me a text, and in that text he quoted I've never heard of this individual, but Craig Lounsbro, who is a Christian counselor, And he says this, I have both the violent turbulence of the storm and the quiet promises of God in the storm. Oh, Jesus. I'll read it again. I have both the violent turbulence of the storm, and the quiet promises of God in the storm. And what I must work to remember is that something is not necessarily stronger simply because it's louder. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a running, shouting message or not, but I feel something. I'm going to read that again. Want me to read that again? Thank you. I will, whether you want me to or not. What I must work on, and this may not, you may not need this. I'm sure none of you need this. So I'll just read it. I'll preach to myself tonight. And what I must work to remember is that something is not necessarily stronger simply because it's louder. I'm preaching to some people tonight. You've got some loud things in your life. You've got some loud things that are screaming at you. But I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost, just because it may be louder than God's voice does not mean it's stronger than God. And so the only thing you've got to do right now is just make up your mind. I will stand. I'm going to hold my ground. Having done everything I know to do, I will stand. 
Listen to this. This this is good stuff. I don't usually when I'm when it's what God gave me directly. I don't I don't brag about it. But when somebody has said it, I can brag about it. We are surrounded by voices that will be louder than God's promises. We are surrounded by voices that will be louder than God's promises. That doesn't make them right. Am I preaching to anybody that's got some promises tonight? The bottom line is every one of us ought to say we got some promises. Because even if God hasn't spoken to you personally, you've got a book that is full of promises that belong to you. But there are some voices that are always going to be louder. When Elijah was running from God after Mount Carmel, after he had stood down the prophets of Baal, he's running from God. And the Bible says he comes to a cave and he's hiding out in a cave. And the Spirit of the Lord calls him to the front of the cave. And the Bible says, and this may not be the exact order, so forgive me if it's not, but the Bible says there was an earthquake, there was wind, and there was fire. Those are three very sensational things. However, after each one of those things, there was a, there was a statement that was repeated. And the Lord was not in it. You see, we think every time there's an earthquake, woo, God's in it. Every time there's some fire, God's in it. Every time there's a great wind, God's in it. But the Bible says after each one of those things, the Lord was not in it. But after those three things, there was simply a still, small voice. Some of you think God's not talking to you. The reason you think He's not talking is He's doing it very quietly. And all you're focused on is the earthquake and the wind and the fire and so again those things may be louder than God but they're not stronger than God this doesn't make them right it's what makes reading learning and applying the word of God so important if we know God's promises we won't be shaken no matter how loud the other voices become can i say it this way if we know god's promises we won't stop standing no matter what happens if we focus in, I, I've been challenged by the Holy Ghost. I was, I was uh, meeting brother, uh, well, uh, the, the two young men, uh, David and Andrew Atkinson, started coming last August. And, and uh, they're, they're brothers, and you've, many of you have seen them a few times. They've got uh, various situations that just makes it challenging for them to come to church. But they're still on fire and passionate about God. And I meet with them every couple of weeks or so. And last week, um, or just, just Thursday, I, I'm meeting with them, and we're just talking. We just sit down, and we just start 
wherever the Lord takes us, nothing pre-planned, and, and, and we're sitting there, and, and we had been talking for a, probably a good hour or so, and, and David, who's the older of the two brothers, said, now, you know, we, we, we're in this because I'm there. I'm there to disciple them, right? And I was trying to do that, but finally David says, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you something. And, and it wasn't necessarily profound, but without a doubt it was the Lord. Because based on what God's been challenging with me with the last several weeks especially, He said, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that every promise God has given to Antioch and every promise God's given to your family, every promise God's given to you, it's going to happen. And he said, God, you may not know it or see it, but God is raising up warriors right now that are fighting on behalf of what God is going to do. Okay? All right. Then a few moments later, he said, you know, when God called Moses, told him where he wanted to send him, Moses sat and argued with God about why he couldn't do it or why he wasn't the one. And I got that message loud and clear as well. And that's what a lot of us spend most of our time. We spend most of our time trying to talk God out of what He's trying to do in us and through us, how He wants to use us, because we've got all the excuses as to why we can't do it. Do you think He didn't know your weaknesses before He called you? Do you think He didn't know your inabilities before He called you? Absolutely He did. And so when He called you, He knew in advance whatever you are lacking, I can make up. Here's the thing that's so interesting about Moses to me. God calls him, tells him what he's going to do, and Moses responds and tells the Lord, I, I can't do that. I'm slow of speech. I, I got problems when I talk. I think after 40 years of being in the wilderness with sheep. He probably sounded like that. Moses said, I can't go because I got a problem talking. But here's what's really interesting, and I, I don't remember offhand exactly where it is, my apologies. But if you read in the book of Acts, there is a place in the book of Acts that tells us that Moses at one point was eloquent of speech. I'm pretty sure that is referencing the first 40 years. You see, what Moses saw as the excuse as to why God couldn't use him was the very thing God was trying to get to. Because as long as you think you can do it, Moses, I can't use you. As long as you've got the ability to do it, I can't use you. Because when it happens, you'll take the glory. So I need to get you from being eloquent of speech to having issues speaking so that when I do what I'm going to do, I get the glory and not you. We, 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 hear the, hear the pronoun, we, I did not say you, we, we, 
we so underutilize the promises of God to us. Because what we're supposed to do with the promises that God has given to us is use them as our weapon. When things are coming against you, if you've got some promises, that's your weapon. When things are falling apart around you and you've got promises over those situations is what God's going to do. That's your weapon. The problem is we just give in to the loud voices that are louder than the voice of God and we think that's what the strongest thing is. Is there anybody tonight that believes there's anything stronger than God? Don't forget... There's two primary reasons why God gives you a promise. One of the more common reasons, in my opinion, God gives you a promise because He's not about to do it right now. He's going to do it somewhere down the road. And so He's telling you what He's going to do. So that no matter what you go through, no matter what life throws your way, you can have confidence in what God has promised you He's going to do. The other reason is, maybe He is about to do it in a short term. In the short term. But everything is going to be so contrary. Everything is going to seem like it's opposing it. And so He gives you the promise so that no matter what you're facing, you can have confidence it's going to be okay. And if nothing else, you can just keep standing. Do you know that a palm tree can withstand a 145 mile an hour Wins. A hundred and forty-five. I don't know what category hurricane that is. Got to be the top. A palm tree. You see, let's, let me see that verse one from Stones. Find me in the valley. Standing with my hands held high. The valley will never take my song. Find me in the desert. Holding on to, your, to you for life. The desert will never take my song. Oh, the desert will never take my song. Sometimes when you're standing there with your hands held high, your mouth ain't saying nothing. Can I tell some folks tonight that the enemy has tried to been beat you up, beat, has tried to beat you up? We, 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 we sang earlier about he gave me a reason to dance. Hallelujah. Every single one of us in this place tonight has a reason to dance. Stay with me for a moment, because some of you, you're going someplace now different than where I'm going. I'm going to say it again. Every single person in this place tonight has a reason to dance. 
let's just be real transparent and honest tonight. Just because we all have a reason to dance doesn't mean we feel like dancing. And I've watched a lot of times that when we've had a reason to dance, we still didn't dance. But what I've also watched is while you may have had a reason to dance and you were not dancing, there was one thing you were doing. Cat 5 hurricane. Everything that the devil can throw against you is coming against you. You're bending, but you're not breaking. You may not be two-stepping through it. You may not be shouting your way through it, but you're standing. And when the storm is finally over, sometimes the only thing God's expecting out of you when the storm passes is to just be standing. Oh, Jesus. You see, here's the problem. One of the most dangerous times for you to start making decisions is in your times of uncertainty. One of the most dangerous times for you to try to set direction in your life is when you're going through hell. When you're in the valley that we heard about earlier. That's the worst time because most of us, when we're in the valley, our thoughts are not always the right thoughts. Our faith is not always sure. And that's why sometimes the thing you just need to do is say, I will stand. I may not go forward, but I'm not going backward. I may not be gaining ground right now, but I will not lose ground. Having done all to stand. Stand. I read some of these verses this morning, but I'll read them again tonight. Listen to this in Psalms 18, verse 27. Listen to what David says here. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Now, now watch, listen to what he says in verse 29. For by thee, I, not we, I, have run through a troop. And by my God have I leaped over a wall. Well, that's some confident, bold stuff, isn't it? I took on a troop. I jumped over a wall. Bring it on. Let's go. Except listen to what he says in Psalms 22. The same one that says, By thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. In Psalm 22 and 1 he says, My God, same God, same God. Oh, help me Jesus. I, I, I know i got to recalibrate my expectations of your response. Some of you are so kind to me after I preach. And you're like, you know, brother, you're expecting one kind of response, but the message you preached was that not. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that right now. 
The same God that David says, by you, I've taken on a troop. And by you, I've jumped over a wall. Now David says to the same God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. Wait a minute. I said it this morning, I'll say it again tonight. Most Christians have split personalities. Just go ahead and accept it. Just about every one of us tonight have split personalities. Because we go from being ready to take over a troop and jump over a wall, we go from that one minute to wondering where in the world God has gone the next. Yeah, there ought to be a couple more amens than that. And I know some of y'all trying to, like I said this morning, some of y'all trying to sit there and not let anybody know that I'm preaching to you. You, you, you. Take your mask off tonight. Don't be no hypocrite here tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to me as well. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be ready. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go. Boy, it's God. God's got this. Woo! Now unto Him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh where? In us. Woo! Let's go. But then one of those loud voices that are louder than God starts talking. And all of a sudden, oh God, I don't know if you're ever going to do it. I don't know if you're ever going to come through. I don't know if you're ever going to make a way. Psalm 69, verse 3. Before I go there, we've already again heard it referenced tonight, but Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's awesome, David. What about Psalm 69 and 3? <laughs> I am weary of my crying. Now, I know what it's like. There have been times when my kids were younger, I got weary of their crying. Please stop. Just stop. And I got to tell you, there's, there's few things more challenging than an infant who is crying their head off and you are trying to figure out what in the world is wrong. Are they hungry? Are they in pain? Do they have a dirty diaper? What is going on? And you know there's a problem because they won't stop. But I got to tell you, I've never cried so much that I got tired of my own crying. But David says... I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the, ha than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty. <laughs> wait a minute. What happened to the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me. Beside, he restore. Yea, though I walk. Thou anointest my, my cup runneth over. 
I sit down at the table in the presence of my enemy and I'm not faith. Wait a minute. Now you're crying so much that you're tired of your own crying? I'm either completely off base tonight or you all are such good poker players. Because most of your faces are looking at me like I've lost my mind. But I'm pretty sure. You just don't want me to know that the Holy Ghost is talking to you. Because I'm pretty sure there's some folks in here tonight that if you're being honest and transparent, you can relate to what David went through. Confidence and faith one moment. Trust in God to do anything one moment. And the next moment wanting to know where in the world God has gone. What you and I have got to make up our minds to do. I may be up one moment and down the next. I might be full of faith one minute and full of fear the next. But one thing I can do and one thing I will do that no matter what condition I find myself in, I am at least going to continue to stand because there is victory in just standing. Having done all. I know we're supposed to reach the lost. I know we're supposed to be reaching the world. I know we're supposed to be ministering to one another. I know we're supposed to be taking care of one another. But God takes some of us or takes all of us at various times through seasons where there's only one thing you're supposed to be doing. And that's just simply standing. And don't let anybody else make you feel condemned that all you're doing in that season is standing. Because God knows... You've done everything else, but now it's time to just hold your ground and stand. First Kings eighteen thirty one. It's kind of funny the number of things that I seem to get stuck on in one on one conversations, and then they come up in preaching. And here's one of those things. First Kings eighteen thirty one. Elijah. There's a drought that's been going on for a couple of years. It's time for that drought to end. And so Elijah issues a challenge. They gather on top of Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal pray and cut themselves and cry and nothing happens. And now, verse number 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around the altar and he filled the trench also with water. Not only is the... Part of the point here, fire and water don't mix. Anybody ever tried to burn wet wood? I have. But really more significant than that was they're in a drought. He's taken the thing that is so precious to them and he's saying, pour it on the altar. Do it again. Do it one more time. 
There had to be some people that were looking at him with eyes full of rage saying, what in the world are you doing? We need that water. He just poured on, the, poured on the altar, poured on the sacrifice. And the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. I, I know it doesn't tell it. Tell us clearly, but when I read these verses, the way I imagine this, I imagine Elijah just standing there, not yelling and screaming, but just confidently saying, Okay, God, it's time for you to do something. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water and that was in the trench. Wow! Wow! Wow, wow, wow! One man boldly stands before, it says 450 prophets of Baal, but there was also 400 other prophets. One man stands before 850 prophets that are against God who have prayed and sought their God to do something and nothing's done. And then he stands there before them and with boldness and confidence prays to the one true living God and fire falls from heaven. That guy ought to be ready to take on the world. Elijah should have walked away from that altar. Bring it on. Let's go. As my son would say, let's go. Let's, come on, let's go. You want a piece of me? Come on. You see what I just did? You better not mess with me. Isn't that what you'd expect? Y'all go home on me already? The worship team wore y'all out dancing and singing. That's what you would expect. You'd expect that whatever came his way from that point on, he would be ready to, de- come on, bring it on. I stood there by myself and I called fire down from heaven. I saw something that seemed impossible happen. Let's, come on, let's go. One chapter. Not five, not ten, not another book. One chapter. In fact, just the next couple of verses. 1 Kings 19 and 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You would think... Elijah would have responded and said, you go tell her, try it. 
Because the same place that other fire came from, there's more where that came from. Come on. Let's go. That's what you would think would happen. What happens? When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested the same God he asked to bring. You're kind of dumb asking this. You just got through asking God to bring fire down from heaven, and he did, and now you're going to ask him to take your life? He said, he requested for himself. Forget what Jezebel said. He's now making his own request. Kill me, God. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father. What? You just participated in one of the most amazing miracles in all of Scripture, and now you're asking God to take your life? I got a question, folks. Please tell me how you think you have somehow achieved a place in God where you're going to do something or you're not going to do something the prophet did. You're not going to do something the king after God's own heart did. The problem is most of us do this. We go from faith to fear. We go from trust and confidence, God's got this, to doubt and unbelief. And we let the enemy beat us up because we are so carnal. We are so weak. Well, I got news for the devil tonight. I'm in some pretty good company. Because there are great men and women of this book that are considered to be successes that did the very same thing. And the bottom line is, at the end of the day, what they did was they stood. They may have struggled in their minds, but somehow they did not quit. They did not give up. They stood their ground, and they were a success. If that worked for them, I've come to tell some folks tonight that are still, some of you have taken some blows. Some of you have taken some blows. For I'm telling you, you've taken some blows, but you're still standing. It may have caused you to wobble a little bit, but you're still standing. It may have caused you to kind of lose your breath, but you're still standing. Can I tell you tonight that God, that God is okay with the fact that all you might be doing right now is just standing. Brother Benner. Maybe all you can do, but you got to stand. You may not have faith to fight and gain ground, but you got what it takes to stand. Just stand.
Sister Bonnie Glandon for years now. For years now. You've just been, just been standing. Standing through to me what could be considered one of the greatest trials to have to walk through. Maybe you haven't walked in this sanctuary week after week and danced and shouted, but you've stood in a valley. Yes, I know that praise and worship ultimately requires your voice. I know there are times you need to make a joyful noise. But I will tell you, I think there's some times that it's okay with God if the only thing you're doing for your praise and your worship is just simply this. There's a lot of other things you could be doing that you're not doing when you're doing that. You could be walking away. You could be throwing in the towel. You could be cursing God. So if all you can do in the desert, in the valley, if all you can do is just stand and hold your ground and keep hands lifted up as an act of saying, God, I may not be going forward. I may not be able to press, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark. I might not be in a condition right now where I can press, but I'm in a condition right now where I can stand. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, there's a time at which you need to do more than have a reason to dance. You need to dance. There's a time at which you need to make a joyful noise. There's a time in which you need to shout. But I'm telling some folks in the Holy Ghost here tonight, I'm telling you hear me as your pastor, I'm telling some folks in the Holy Ghost tonight that right now God is looking for one thing from you. Brother and Sister Spriggs, I don't pick what I preach arbitrarily, but I'll say to you tonight, the only thing you got to do right now is just stand. That's all. Nothing more. God's not looking for it. You don't have to run these aisles. You don't have to dance and buck and shout all over the place. Just simply stand. Because having done all to stand, stand therefore. I wonder if there's anybody in this place tonight that you've got your mind made up. Whatever I've got to do to stand, I'm going to stand. See, sometimes you can just stand there casually and it's okay. But sometimes you've got to change your, you've got to keep standing, but you've got to change the posture. You've you got to change your uh, center of gravity. Because you know what, if I'm standing here like this, you could come along and easily push me over. Come here, Brother Isaac, help me out. Don't be too hard. Don't do like Chester did to your dad and hurt me. Uh, just, just, but, but just push me a little bit. Come on, I, I, I can try. I'm trying to resist, but it doesn't take much when I'm just casually standing. But, but do me a favor now. Come on. Come on, push me. Come on. You see, when I change my posture, 
You see, because what you really may not be seeing is I'm actually not just being defensive right now. No, I'm not necessarily moving forward, but he's not taking anything from me. And so in and of itself, that's offensive in this moment. And so I know some of you, that's the po- some of you tonight, everything's good and you're just, you're just standing there. How wonderful. But I know there's some other folks. You got yourself crouched down because the enemy's pushing with everything he's got. And so I've come to tell you tonight, at the end of it, there's only one thing you've got to do. Not dance and shout and run the aisles, but just stand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's something in football that's called a goal line stand. Goal line stand that essentially refers to the fact that when the offense has the ball within five yards of the end zone, you got your back to the wall. That's the goal. All they got to do is cross this line, but the offense take the defense makes a stand. I just out of curiosity went on to YouTube today and typed in goal line stand. It was one time, it's, I think it was about 15, 20 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, the Cardinals, I don't know if they were still the St. Louis Cardinals at that time or if they had become the Arizona Cardinals, but they were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And the St. Louis Cardinals or the Arizona Cardinals, whichever, had the ball on about the one-yard line. First down and goal to go. I know for you're not a football person, that doesn't mean much, but let me tell you basically what it means. You ought to get some points. That's what it means. You got, you got four chances. You got four chances to get that ball one yard, three feet. That's all you got to do. And there must have been a couple of penalties or something because for seven plays, seven plays, seven times in a row, the defense on the one-yard line did not let the ball cross the goal line. And time ran out, and the Eagles won. Let me tell you something. The devil's only got so much to come against you with because ultimately greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So you're not just resisting. He's coming against you on his own, but you're not resisting him on your own. There's something inside of you that God has put inside of you to give you the ability that no matter what comes your way, you can stand. Just stand. Just stand. All you got to do is stand. I, I thank God for the dancers. I thank God for the aisle runners. I thank God for the hucking and buckers. I, I thank God for all. I thank God for the shakers and the quakers. And we got to have them. We need them. We better always have them. But what we also got to have is just the standards. 
I'm still, uh, uh, my family's coming against me, but I'm standing. My finances are falling apart, but I'm standing. My ministry doesn't seem to be going where I thought it was going to go, but I'm standing. God's not doing things in my life I thought he was going to do by now, but I'm standing. I I can't figure this out, but I'm standing. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I'm standing. There's all kinds of folks that come and go. They make their grand entrances. They usually don't make grand exits because they just fade off into the night. I've watched people and during my time as a pastor, and I've watched it even before that, man, they burst onto the scene, and you think they're the next Apostle Paul, and they think they're the next Apostle Paul, and they're ready just to take on the world. But they're missing a very key element. And that's the ability to stand. There's not a one of you here tonight that have been living for God any significant length of time. That the reason you're still here is not because you're such an awesome prayer warrior. It's not because you're such a great worshiper. It's because you've learned the need to just stand. Just stand. Anybody can press forward when everything's going good. Anybody can... Anybody can worship and shout. and Anybody can do this church thing when everything's going good. What happens when your faith is put to the test? What happens when those voices are so loud that you struggle to hear the voice that really matters? Can you? Will you just stand? And the only thing God is asking you to do in those seasons is stand. I've watched people for years walk into this sanctuary knowing at least a little bit about the valley they were walking through knowing about the trials they were dealing with and walk in week after week after week after week after week week and just simply stand. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes God expects you to fight. But the Lord one time said to Moses, Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses, this time I don't want you doing anything. I don't want your rod. I don't want you. 
I just want you to be still and watch me. I believe there's some folks here tonight, and I don't feel to call names beyond what I've already referenced here. And so if I'm not calling your name, please don't sit there and go, Oh, I wonder if God's talking to me. I wish God was. But He's talking to you. He's talking to you. I want to tell some people in the Holy Ghost. No, not everybody. Some of you, you aren't supposed to be just standing right now. You're supposed to be doing something. I believe there's some people in this service tonight. The Holy Ghost sent me to tell you this simple, simple thought. That God's looking for you to do one thing right now. Just stand. Don't quit. Just stand. Don't give up. Just stand. Don't curse God. Just just stand. Don't make any hasty decisions based on the turmoil, on the fear, on the worry, on the doubt. Just simply stand. I want you to close your eyes for a moment if you will. If you think there's any, any chance, any chance, I'm not asking you if you're certain. I'm not asking you if you're 100% confident. But if you feel like there's a possibility that the Holy Ghost is talking to you right now. Can I ask you to get up out of your seat, to come down to this altar, and guess what? Don't kneel. There's a time to kneel. There's a time to prostrate. But tonight, as a demonstration of where you are and what you're going to continue to do, would you just simply come and stand? And I'm asking you to do that because here's what I believe is going to begin to happen in the next few moments, is that you come and as you have demonstrated by your coming that you're going to stand, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to begin to pour some strength and some virtue in you right now. No, I'm not telling you this means the battle's over. I'm not telling you this means the hurricane winds are going to stop. I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you I believe that God is going to give some strength and virtue in this place tonight to some people that have made up their minds. I want to stand. I'm going to stand. And if I can't do anything else, if I don't accomplish anything else right now, what I will accomplish is I will continue to stand. Come on, there's a lot of you that have come and we don't have enough people to pray for all of you, at least one-on-one. If there's some of you that want to begin to pray, if there's some of you that want to begin to minister to this folks, some folks, you're welcome to. But there may not be somebody come and pray for you because I don't think we have enough. But it's really not about somebody else. It's about the one who wants you to stand, giving you what you need to stand. 
Just stand. When our backs stand. were against the wall, just stand. And it looked as if it was over you. You made a way. Some of you've been feeling like failures because all you've been doing is just standing. Some of you think you've been disappointing God because the only thing you're doing is standing. But I've come in the Holy Ghost tonight to tell you God's not the least bit disappointed. God's not the least bit upset with you. You made virtue tonight upon every one of my brothers and sisters that are standing that are standing in spite of the adversity that are standing in the midst of the storm God I pray that you would give strength right now I pray that you would gird them with your spirit with your strength only because you I know you can move the mountain, but if you're not going to move the mountain, I'm still going to stand. I know you're going to move the mountain. I know you can move the mountain, but until you do, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going to stand. You cause walls to fall with your power. You know there is nothing. Have your way, Holy Ghost. That's impossible. Jesus. 